0: The time is 4.05, and if you're wondering what the heck I'm doing here in the afternoon, it's a one-day wonder. John, Tory and I traded so that I could do something this morning. He was supposed to be in today, uh, so he would have been in for Deb, and now I'm in for Tory. So it's a double substitution, but it, I don't know. It's like keeping box scores at a baseball game. What an absolute joy. Because he uh, doesn't usually appear on my show, but he's a regular on this show, and what most of the team here doesn't seem to know is that Brett House is a really good friend of mine, in addition to being a crackling uh, university professor and economist. How are you doing? John, what a delight to be on with you. This is a pleasant surprise. I thought we'd ambush you with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Uh, so, listen, formal title, professional, uh, Professor of Professional Practice in Economics at Columbia Business School, Fellow with the Public Policy Forum, the Monk School, and Massey College. And let's start, actually, it's Budget Day in Toronto. Maybe you can make this sexy. I mean, I realize it's about how the water comes to the house and the garbage leaves the alleyway, but at the same time, going through line by by line and all this yelling and screaming by the city councillors and the arm wrestling with the mayor is uh, sometimes a tedious affair.
1: Uh, it sure is, and it feels particularly tough when there's a record tax hike in the budget, but I think this is a victory for Torontonians, a victory for people who value public space and public services in this city. Uh, 9.5% is a big increase, but it's the increase we need after nearly a decade of public revenues in the city being
0: starved and services being on the decline. Well, Olivia Chow actually used the phrase phrase, magical thinking. She said, thinking we can fix Toronto and maintain Toronto without a tax hike is magical thinking. Um, Apparently, you already agree. But I'm curious about why people can't make the link quite frequently between the taxes they pay and the things they want their government to do.
1: Well, I'm the economist here, and it's my moment to say there's no free lunch. And in the same way, there's no free waste disposal. There are no free clean streets. uh, There are no free uh, public transit options. Uh, All of these things require funding. And that funding has more or less been frozen on the the, uh, municipal tax side for about 10 years. And it's left Toronto with some of the lowest tax rates on uh, property of any city in North America. And so uh, while none of us like to pay more tax or pay more for anything if we can avoid it, uh, let's instead celebrate that property owners got a great deal for a decade and now they're being asked to pay their fair share.
0: And it should be noted you are a rate payer in the city of Toronto, so you're cheerleading for a tax you're going to have to pay.
1: I am. Uh, I've got skin in this game, and I'd like to see my streets cleaner, uh, support for people in the city uh, who are doing less well than ourselves, uh, improved. I live very close to Dundas and Sherburn, and I'm on the board of the 519 Community Centre and I see every day the impact of the underfunding of the city over the last decade. That said, as Olivia Chow also mentioned, the city has to earn and show that it is producing value for these extra tax dollars and everyone should hold her and the city to account. Uh, There
0: is, you know, there is a responsibility that comes along with these extra funds. Worth noting at this juncture, Olivia Chow is on the show tomorrow, and so is the police chief, Myron Demkew. and Olivia Chow was somewhat categorical today when she said, okay, you're getting the extra money that you asked for, but we're going to be measuring the results. Let's turn to something different, and that is Doug Ford, the premier, saying any future carbon taxes in Ontario would have to face a referendum. I'm not a big fan of referendums on taxes, because of course everyone's going to vote against it, and then the government doesn't have the money it said it needs
1: Yeah, uh, you know, putting a referendum as the bar for public policy changes is, in effect, the legislature deciding not to do its own job. We elect people to make decisions on our behalf. Uh, Additionally, it is deeply bizarre to hear a conservative premier, much like the leader of the opposition federally, to be so down on carbon pricing. Conservatives for decades have seen carbon pricing, along with other means of reducing pollution, as an appropriate market-based conservative solution to the problems we face. Somehow that all got mixed up by conservatives in the last few years, and I'm still dumbfounded by it. From an economics perspective it's the best way to get pollution down.
0: Well, I know why conservatives fell out of love with it. It's because liberals fell in love with it. And so automatically it had to be bad policy.
1: Yeah, well, you know, uh, they often venerate Reagan and... Uh A carbon tax would have been a very friendly uh, policy option for Reagan.
0: Well, you mentioning Reagan reminds me of something about a referendum on taxes. You may remember Proposition 13 in Orange County, California. And it was a ballot initiative. It passed. It capped property tax increases. And eventually, Orange County went bankrupt. So it was eminently predictable. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, And,
1: you know, what we need to keep in mind here is Toronto used to be venerated for having some of the cleanest streets. Uh, You know, when Hollywood came here to film, they had to throw trash on the ground. I don't think that's the case anymore.
0: And, uh, you know, we need to get back to the leadership position we once were in. Interesting feature today. And millennials do things very differently in many ways. And one of the new trends seems to be micro weddings. Uh, You and I actually know a couple who had a micro wedding. Uh, Marco and Sean were supposed to get married with 250 guests with an Italian marriage and they got so sick of organizing it, they called us and said, we'll see you at City Hall this afternoon at 2. And then we all went for dinner at Canoe. And that's kind of what more and more people are doing.
1: Well, I don't think anyone celebrates their big day because of the amount they spend, uh, but the amount they felt. And so that seems to me like a really useful correction on what has been a massive explosion in wedding costs. And, you know, that money can go to a down payment on increasingly expensive
0: real estate. Although I do like the model for Italian weddings, which is where you give a cash donation and it pays ultimately for the wedding, but the, uh, the couple get the money and they can go out and buy a house.
1: Well, who doesn't like
0: cash? Cash yeah. is king. <laughs> okay. I mean, in your work, you work with young people. And, of course, everybody thinks a millennial millennials 18. And I think they're now like 20 to 33. Um, but are you noticing economic trends amongst young people?
1: Oh, you know, I think millennials actually extend to about 40 or 41 now as a generation, and some of the 20-somethings are your Gen Y uh, coming after them. Um, You know, what we are seeing is obviously a lot of talk about is it more expensive now as a share of average income to maintain or obtain uh, the kind of basic expectations of middle aged life, owning a property, uh, putting some money aside for retirement and, you know, having a vacation now and then. Uh, on one hand, you know, there is some sign, uh, some signs that those things are harder to obtain. But in other ways, when you adjust for quality, uh, this talk on TikTok of a silent depression looks a little emptier because, you know, we're generally living in bigger houses, we're driving better cars, and uh, we're traveling a whole lot more than we might have a few decades ago. So, you know, there are countervailing factors at work here. Thanks a
0: lot for this. Good to have you today. Great to speak. Hope I'm going to see you soon. Me too. Okay. That's Brett House with dollars and cents. And Brett's absolutely right. He very uh, politely corrected me because, yeah, millennials are now people in their 30s and early 40s, I think. Then you get to Y and then you get to Z. But this particular feature was about millennials. And it says they increasingly will invite like six friends or family only. And there's a lot of aspects to that that make the wedding a lot more enjoyable because, If you have a hundred guests, then you have to go through the sort of concentric circles of who's important and who isn't, and who from work is coming, and do you invite your boss, and you know, uncles, aunts that you don't like. No, you go to City Hall, you do the wedding, You have four or six of your best friends with you, and then you take everybody out for dinner. Typical cost, incidentally, of the big wedding is anywhere between about $20,000 and $40,000, I know a lot of people are laughing out loud. I'm working from the copy I got here because I know people who have spent eighty dollars to $100,000 on weddings. And then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, right? Like you have special engagement photographs where you do hair and makeup and somebody you get to hire a stylist and you get a professional photographer. You got to do it all over again for the wedding. And uh, as I said, it's not a wedding until the bride says to somebody, you ruined everything.